Open your Bibles to James chapter 5 this morning. We're going to take this break in between series, just t- touch on a couple different topics. Uh, this topic is going to deal a little bit more of what it looks like in small group. When we talk about small group, others of you come talk to me. I would say general response is that you like your small group, that you're for it, that you appreciate it, that you've grown, things like that are normally said. Without me bringing it up, I mean, sometimes I bring it up to people, but without me most of the time bringing it up, there is a topic that comes up maybe more often than others of some sort of statement like, yeah, but when my group starts doing this, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Uh, so I'm just going to let you know this morning we're going to try to start doing that. Um, so what's the topic at hand? The topic at hand, James 5, we're going to look at verse 16, but the topic at hand is this idea of confessing your sins to one another. Okay, now, now that phrase is real easy. Maybe not easy to do, but like real simple, easy to understand. And yet the context of James chapter 5 is, is not, Nick, this is going to sound bad. Uh, it's not helpful. Like, like one verse, it's real easy to pull verse 16 out of the context and be like, all right, we should confess our sins to one another. Like, great. Period. End. Let's move on. And yet we got to wrestle a little bit with the context. So this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to wrestle with the context a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to answer every question. I might bring up more questions than answers, and that's fine. We're okay with that here. Okay? But at the same time, what we, what we want to do is we want to be able to land on verse 16 specifically, and we want to, hey, this is what we want to start doing in small groups more and more. Uh, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be easy. It might not even be beautiful to begin, but we got to start somewhere. Right? And, and we'll talk about it. I think from what I hear of other groups, some of you are already doing this. You just don't realize it. Okay? So maybe this is more of an encouragement to continue on and, and to make it even more meaningful than it is just to start, if that makes sense. Okay, here we go. Verse 13, though, is our context. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must praise. Anyone cheerful, he is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Okay, so here we go. Let's dive in, starting in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Okay, context of this, of this whole book, right? If you go back to James chapter 1, who is he writing to? He's writing to the 12 tribes who are what? Who are scattered abroad. So early church, uh, there's persecution, you've been scattered. Like James says, are any of you suffering? The answer is yes. Like James, you know that. Right? So this isn't like, hmm, yeah, we had a rough day today. This is like we've been driven from our homes. We, are, we, we don't meet uh, as a church. We don't meet as a family maybe even. Like, like life is not normal. Life is not how it should be in our mind. Right? Is anyone of you suffering? He gives this imperative. He says you must pray. Okay, we're going to put that in our Put that in our, our brain. We're coming back to this idea of prayer over and over again in this passage. Is anyone cheerful? Is anyone there who has some sort of joy? What is he supposed to do? He's supposed to, again, imperative, he is to sing praises. Now, here's the thing. We probably understand this just from our own life. You can be the person that says yes to both of these. Right? Like, hasn't there not been a moment in your life where you've been suffering in some sort of trial, some sort of difficulty, like you might not sleep well at night, and yet there's still some sort of joy when you gather God's people. 
There's still some sort of joy when you open up the Word of God. There's still some sort of joy in your life. Like, yes, it's been maybe years worth of sickness. Maybe it's been trial or hardship. Maybe it's been whatever the, the, the struggle, the suffering's been. And yet in the midst of that, there's still some sort of joy. There's some sort of cheerfulness that's taking place in our life. Okay, so I don't think this is like, okay, raise your hands if you're, if you're on the suffering side today and raise your hands if you're on the cheerful side today. Like, this could be both of you. Like, we all could be both of these things. Right? And so what do we do? Is we would be people who would pray and we're people who sing. Right? Like, like that's what I see from James. Okay, verse 14. He's going to ask another question. It sounds just like the other two. Is anyone among you sick? Okay, surface, is any of you sick? Like, we got sick people this morning. Not here. Maybe here. But, like, we know of sick people who are not here this morning. Right? Like, that's why they're not here. Okay? Uh, what are we supposed to do with that? Okay, then he must call, the one who's sick, must call for the elders or leaders of the church and they are to pray over him. Okay, so, so here's just, just, we wish James would give us more information. Right, like if, if James could, could flesh this out a little bit more. Uh, there's a stomach bug that has gone through the Porsches and cops' homes. Like, like we would say they are sick. Is, is that, hey, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get some deacons. We're going to go pray over the 24-hour stomach bug. Like, is, is that what he's saying? Most people that are smarter than I am that write books and those things are going to say, no, we're not referring to a cold. We're not referring to those things. They would also say, we're not referring to something that makes total sense. In that, you eat junk food and you sleep three hours a night because you spend too much time watching Netflix and you feel real bad. Like, no, 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 this, that seems to make sense. Like, yeah, of course you're sick. Like, can we pray for you? Sure, but we could also make you eat some vegetables and sleep more at night. Like, maybe that would, maybe that would help. Okay, so this context from what a lot of other people would say, verse 14, is anyone among you sick seems to be more of a serious sickness uh, and a sickness that doesn't really make sense. You seem healthy, you seem fine, everything's going well, and now all of a sudden you're sick. Okay, so that seems to be more of the context. So, so in that instance, uh, a sickness that doesn't go away, a sickness that lingers long, like however you want to think through a sickness that might be more serious than others, what do you do then is you'd call for the leaders of the church. Okay, we've already seen this imperative at the beginning of verse 13. We're going to see it again. What, is, what do we do? Call for the leaders. And what do they do? They pray over him. Okay, and then what else do they do? They anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay, when you read oil, you don't have to think essential oil. You don't have to think holy oil. You don't have to think magical oil. Like there's nothing in the oil. Right? Throughout the whole Bible, there's been anointing of oil. And what is that a symbol of? It's a symbol of God. We're, we're kind of setting apart this person. In this moment, at this time, we're gonna, we're, we want to draw your attention, as it were, God, to this person. Like, that's what it's been throughout the whole Bible. Okay? So, so we're not thinking there's any sort of magic or any sort of whatever with the oil as much as God. We're, we want to draw your attention to this person. Okay? So, so far, maybe not too crazy, right? Like, okay, someone's sick. We're going to Seem very serious type of sickness. We're going to call the elders in. They're going to pray over him. We're going to anoint him with oil. Okay, verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. Okay, we know English, most of us, right? We can understand the words that were just said. And yet there's probably some part of our brain that says, I've prayed a prayer with the most faith I could ever mustered for somebody to be, to be saved to be restored, to be rescued, to be brought back to health, to be whatever that word is, that word restore, right? So many different ideas it could be. And yet it didn't happen. Right? So, so here's, a, here's a 
I'm going to bring up kind of this question, this idea that I'm not going to have an answer for. But it's like we've seen verse 15 maybe lived out, but we've also seen verse 15 not lived out. Like if this was just a general statement that applied to anybody, you would think we'd have somebody here from the first generation of church that's like a thousand years old and still living with us. Because somebody in faith would keep praying for it. Okay, so what do we do with someone who's sick, uh, continually sick? We pray. Verse 15 has some sort of idea that they are going to be healed. They will be restored. Right? Continue on, verse 15. The Lord will raise him up. And so here's this wrestle. Like, what do we do? What do we do? Does this just mean, like, if you're a believer, one day in eternity you're going to be saved? Does this just mean that uh, God does this for some people but not for everybody? Like, it's not dependent on our prayer. We should pray, but it's, it's not like, oh, you didn't have enough faith. Like, that's not right. That's not how the Bible works. Okay? But, but again, here's this idea of, of physical sickness. What do we do with that? We, we pray, uh, we anoint with oil, we ask God to intervene and to help. Okay, so, so if that doesn't seem like wrestling enough, now we get to the end of verse 15. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Now all of a sudden it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, James, we're in the middle of like physical, like, su- are you suffering? Most likely physical right now in the context of the letter of James? Yeah, we're, we're suffering. Are you sick? Most likely physical sickness? Yeah, we're sick. And so what are we going to do? We're going to pray for our suffering. We're going to pray for the sickness. All of a sudden, James throws in this idea of what? Of you have sins in your life. So, so here's, here's, biblically speaking, what we, what we would know about sins, spiritual slash physical things that would take place in our life. Okay? So just generally speaking, hopefully this helps us understand this text a little bit. There are physical problems that we have that are not sin in and of themselves but they bring about sin in our lives, or at least a temptation to sin. Okay? Just an example, try not to pick on anybody, so I'm going to use my own example. You could rupture your Achilles tendon. Not a sin. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt not rupture your Achilles tendon. But yet your response to that could be one of depression. It could be one of asking God, being mad at God. Like There's a whole lot of things that would say, here's a physical problem that leads to sin. Right? Okay, you can also flip that around. You can also say, here's a spiritual problem that now is going to lead to physical problems. Okay, so, so I, I don't trust God. I struggle with these things. I struggle to pray. I struggle with whatever that looks like. So what does that do in my life? It brings up more anxiety. It brings up more fear. It brings up more of these things, which means what? Which means I don't sleep at night, which means I don't get rest, which means I'm like, whatever. I'm addicted to caffeine, which just offended most of the people in here, I know. But like, like we go down this road, and it's like all of a sudden, it's like, hey, here's physical problems that we see. Mentally, physically, whatever. Why? Because we have a spiritual issue going on. And since we didn't get the spiritual thing right, what's happening is there's a manifestation of, of it physically happening in our lives. Okay? If you're lazy, uh, we probably say that's a spiritual problem. Start at a spiritual problem. And you get fired from your job, that would be a physical problem. Right? Like, okay. So, when we look back at this text, there's two ideas here. Idea one uh, is, is obviously the person who's sick at some level, seems to be tied to somebody who has sin in their life, who needs to be forgiven. So the two thoughts are this, and I'm not going to tell you which one I think it is or whatever, but the two thoughts are, one, this is a sickness brought on specifically by God to to draw the person back to himself. Like God's going to allow sickness into the life of this person so that this might happen, so that the leaders of the church might come and they might pray over him, and not only just pray over him, but like walk him through what secret sin you might have in your life. Okay, the other option that some guys are going to land on is, is kind of what we said. 
you're, you're spiritual, you, you have sin that you're hiding in your life, there's guilt, there's shame, there's, there's uh, uh, you, like, you don't want to be part of the community because you know you have the secret sin, and, and so there's just this, uh, okay, what does that turn into? That turns into physical problems. And so, like, here's a result of, of your hanging and clinging on to sin. But there's some connection here that James is going to say of physical health and your, and your spiritual health, your spiritual hanging on to sin type thing. Okay? Again, we probably brought up more questions than answers. Verse 16 then. He says, therefore. Okay, therefore means what? It means in light of what I just said in the first three verses of this little paragraph we're in. Okay? Like physical sickness, there's suffering, there's these things that we just talked about. And he says, in light of those things, what are we supposed to do? Verse 16, we are to confess your sins to one another. Okay, now for some of us, like, I don't know where you're at, but for some of us right now in the back of your brain, you're like, yeah, never. Right, like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like, like, you're not Jesus, you're not my Savior, you're not fill in the blank, like, no way am I doing this, but just hang with me, all right, let's, let's keep going. Confess your sins one to another, pray for one another. Why? What is the purpose of all of this? Like, what is the goal? What does James want for the reader? Here, like a couple thousand years ago, here's what he wants. The original reader, this is what we want you to get. Confess your sins, pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. Right? Like, like if we want healing, and that word healing can be pretty broad. It can mean physical, it can mean mental, it can mean emotional, like relational, all the other O's that you might think of, like, like it applies to all of this. And so there's some struggle that we're having. There's some thing that we're going through. And, and what, is, what is James saying? He says, we want healing for you. And, and he says, according to this text, and there's other things we could say, yada, yada, yada. But according to this text, how do we get to the healing? We get to the healing by confessing our sins one to another. We get to that healing how? Not just by confession, but then second half there, verse 16, that we would pray for one another. Okay, so, so let me try to put this at rest a little bit because some of you are really concerned right now, okay? Uh, this is not going to happen Sunday morning, most likely. It will not happen like, I'm not going to finish this morning. We're not going to go to discussion group and be like, all right, let's start. What sin do you have this morning that you would like to come? Like, that's not going to happen, right? Okay, this is not uh, some sort of you need to ask or you need to confess sin to get forgiveness. Like, that's God's job. That's not necessarily our job. Okay, so what does this look like in the context of the, our church? This looks like in the context of our church, of meeting with people in a small group that you know. The, the person in my small group that I've been meeting with the longest, I think is over three years now. The newest person in my small group that, that we've been meeting with, like, one year. So we're at least a year in, at least, with the people that I've been meeting in my small group. Right, this isn't a visitor walks in and you're like, hey, what sin do you struggle with? Here's mine. Like, like that's, not, that's not what we're saying. Okay, uh, second, this isn't some sort of, like, uh, how do I word this? This is some sort of, like, fake confession, right? Like, like man, I've just really been struggling to love people too much lately. Like, like we're not, okay, this is like, hey, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I want prayer over, and let me, let me confess that. The word confess means to say the same thing. So I'm going to call it sin. I'm not going to try and glorify it. I'm not going to try and make it something it's not. Like, here's my struggle. Here's what I need prayer on, and I'm sharing it with the people that I know, that I have this relationship with. Okay, that's the picture. And so, so that means, like, here's the context. Is there someone sick who seems to be sick for a long time, seems to be different sickness than other types of sickness? Uh, what do you do for them? You would go and pray for them. 
Okay, so what does this mean? It means, in my opinion, according to this text and the context that it's in, if you, on your way to small group, get cut off in traffic, and, and you say something you shouldn't, and yell out the window and honk the horn and turn into some sort of road rage, not too bad, just a little bit. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that, if that's once in a lifetime that you just happened, like, man, I didn't get enough sleep last night, I'm real stressed out, I yelled at this guy in front of me. I, I don't think, according to the context, you show up to small group and say, hey, guys, I need to confess something. You can, I'm not telling you not to. But I don't think that's what it's saying. I think this is saying, if every day of your life, you're screaming at people in traffic, like, like you're cutting people off, yelling at them, like, if that's your life is road rage, then maybe it's like, hey, guys, this is not Christian life. Right, this is, this is not what, what, I, what I'm supposed to be doing. I need help. I need you to pray for me. Okay, uh, other idea, just, okay. Um, those of you who are parents, like, like, you know what it's like to have a child who, who just drives you nuts, right? You might blow that. Uh, you might say something you wish you didn't. You might not handle it well once in a while, okay? That's, that's something. You can confess that. If that's the, if that's the just daily ritual of your life, I think that's what James is saying here. Here's, here's this, this struggle, this sin that you're in the middle of. Like, like let's, let's pray for one another. Okay? Uh, one other thought. This is not in the text. This is just my thought. If you find yourself with a temptation, like sin, like you read the text, confess your sins. You've already committed a sin. And, and so now, like, hey, here's the sin. It's a problem in my life. I can't seem to, to, to experience the victory that Jesus has given me. I'm going to confess it so you might pray for me. Right? We got that. Now I, I'm going to kind of broaden out even more. I think, what about the temptation that you keep being tempted with, and yet you haven't given into yet? Man, I just have this temptation to fill in the blank, and every time at work, I'm tempted to just cheat the system. I'm tempted to lie to the boss. I'm tempted to whatever. And it's like, I just, this is what I keep finding myself being tempted by. Like, I think, again, me kind of reading in the text maybe, but I think that's fair game. Hey, here, small group, here's, here's what I'm struggling with. I haven't given into it yet, but I know my flesh is weak, and I want you to pray for me. Okay, so, so that's what we're going for. And, and again, what do we see here? We see one person is going to do what? They're going to confess their sins to one another. What is the other people going to do? They are going to pray. Right? He, doesn't, he doesn't say much else about it. We'll come back in a second, but he says, what are we going to do? We're going to pray. And then he gives this verse, which might be one of the most popular verses about prayer in the New Testament, and yet I feel like we never understand the context. What does he say? He says you're going to pray, and then the last phrase there in verse 16 is what? The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Like, I feel like I've heard that verse about mission work. I've heard that, that verse about, like, church planning. I've heard that verse about, like, anything and everything, except for somebody has sinned in their life they're struggling to see victory in. Right? Somebody who's sick physically. Context of this, of this verse. Right? So what is, what is James saying? He's saying someone confesses sin. What do we do is we pray. And, and the, the, the idea here, the end of verse 16 is what? That effective word in the New American Standard, you might have a different word in your translation, that effective word has this idea of work. Some of us in an hour, a couple hours, we're going to go eat lunch. We're going to pray. Uh, can I just, I'm not, this isn't a bad thing. Like pray over your meals, that's cool. That prayer is probably not going to take much work. Father, we thank you for this food. It smells good. It looks good. We're about to eat it. We ask you to bless your bodies. Like, there wasn't much work in that. Here's someone who confesses sin, and, and, the, and the wording here in verse 16 is what? Is that they would be effective. They would take work. Uh, maybe, maybe the sin is, is surprising enough that you feel like maybe God can't conquer that. 
And so there's some sort of faith that, God, I don't know how this person is going to see victory over this sin, but, but we need you to do it. I, I, don't, I don't see the answer. I don't know how to do it. And so there's some level of faith and some level of work that I'm going to pray words that I'm not even sure I totally believe in right now. Maybe it's the fact that it's going to take work and that it's going to be more than one time. Right? It's, it's not just say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. And, and you could stop small group right there and pray for it. Like, great, that'd be awesome. But it's also going to be like, hey, uh, that was Monday. What are you going to do Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday? Like, like it's going to take work. It's, it's not just a one and done. It's not just an easy thing here, according to James. Like, here's this effective prayer of a righteous man. And what does he say about that effective prayer of a righteous man? He says that it can accomplish much. Like, Again, context, verse 15, the prayer offered in faith, which James talks about in James 1 a little bit, this idea of faith, but, but the prayer offered in faith, well, what? We'll restore the one who is sick. God will raise him up. There's restoration. There's healing. What is he going to do to those who confess their sin, who seem to be struggling, who seem to be stuck in their sin? What does he say about that? He says, they will be healed. Like, there's restoration. There's healing. And so there's some level of, we want to we pray in faith knowing that God can heal. Okay, then what does James do? Verse 17. He takes us to this illustration of Elijah. Okay, this illustration is not an illustration of what we're supposed to do, as much of an illustration of, of here's someone who prayed, right? So, so there's no reason for us to pray that God wouldn't send rain for three and a half years. Like, that's not the point. The point is this. Look at verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Like, stop, just go read Kings and the story of Elijah. Like, he was a man with a nature like ours. Ours, and yet, for whatever reason, we want to read about characters in the Bible like they were different than us. They were more holy, they were more this, they were more that. Like, no, they were a nature like ours. And what did he do? He prayed. He prayed earnestly. Same idea there is this word of effective. Like, it takes work. It's, it's hard. It's not just comes easy to you. Right? He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and didn't rain. Verse 18, he prayed again, the sky poured, uh, poured rain or produced fruit. Right? So, so here's an example of someone who prayed, who is just like us, who's human and flesh and blood, and he prayed, and God hears the prayer, and God did something. Okay, so if we just stop and think through this text, verse 13, what do we see? We say you should pray. Verse 14, uh, what do you see? You'd call for the, the elders for it, and they should pray. Uh, in verse 15, there's this prayer of faith. Verse 16, you'd pray for one another. Verse 17 and 18 is this topic of uh, illustration of prayer. Okay, so, so I'm going to say, we're going to park on this idea still of confessing your sins one to another. And yet, this context is full of what? It's full of commands to pray. And so I think confession, we need to confess. If we're going to be healed, I think we should confess. And yet, at some level, it seems that the, the, the majority of the context is more on prayer than it is on the confession. So what does that mean? It means that if you're in a small group, the job of them, of somebody in your small group confessing to the small group and, and you listen, like, that's step one. But step two, which also seems to be just as important, if not more important, is the prayer that you offer for them. Like just continually through this verse. Pray, pray, prayer, faith. Okay, so let's walk through again, just kind of what does this look like in the context of our small groups? What should we do with this? What is this not? Uh, some of those things. Okay? Uh, what is this going to look like? Let me, maybe I'll just give you an illustration. Not a real life illustration loosely based off of something that happened in our small group. Somebody in a small group one time said something to the effect of, I don't know if they were in the book of James, I don't know how it came up, but they said something to the effect of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know about this confessing, confessing thing. Like, I don't, I don't know if I will ever get to the point where I confess my sins to someone else. And we're like, all right, that's cool. The very next statement out of his mouth 
again, not true story, just, yeah. This morning I yelled at my wife. And I wanted to be like, you just did it. Like, like the struggle that we have. Like, so, so the picture that, that I see from the text is not one like, all right, here's small group. You're going to have, would you read your Bible? Uh, what memory verses are you working on? And, and who'd you share the gospel with this week? Now we're going to add, and what sins do you need to confess? Like, that's not the picture I see. Right? It's, it's not necessarily a weekly thing as much as like here in this moment, here's what I need prayer on. And so his prayer request of, hey, this relationship with my wife, which I just made up in my head, like, like that prayer request, in my mind, at some level, is at least beginning this topic and confessing sins one to another. Right? And I could go, like, I could list specific examples over and over again of guys in my small group who have said it. And in the back of my brain, I'm like, I'm thinking, I don't even know if you realize what you're doing. Like, I don't even know if you realize you're, we're living out James 5, 16 in this moment. Okay? So here's, here's going to be the temptations. Here's going to be the struggles. Here's going to be what, what we're going to fall into. One is, is that we're not, just not going to believe it. Right? Like, some of us, I use the word healing, and you're like, man, I could use some healing. Not physically, not laying on hands, like, let's not go crazy. But, like, like some sort of just, in my soul, I just could use some healing, and yet you're going to doubt that this is going to work. Right? For some of us, it's going to be a pride issue. Like, man, if I confess this sin and my whole small group knows about it, can I, let's just be real. Jesus died on our cross because we're imperfect. Like, Jesus died on the cross because, because we couldn't save ourselves. Jesus died on the cross because we're wicked, horrible sinners. So if we show up in a small group and we think, hmm, I might share this, but they might find out I'm a sinner. Like, it's too late. We already know. Right? Casey and I have said, uh, just doing church planting for however long we've been doing church planting, like, nothing surprises us anymore. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, I don't think, like, you're the worst person ever. I'm just waiting for you to tell me that. But, like, we just understand, like, nothing shocks us anymore. You, you want to share your struggle? Cool. Just give me a heads up before you do it. Let me know. But that's fine. Right? So that's what we want in a small group. Hey, guys, you already know I'm a sinner, so nothing new, but here's my struggle. Okay? What, what's going to be the response of the people who hear? In this text, it's what? It's to pray. Okay, I, I don't, I'm, gonna, I'm not trying to be mean. In that moment, they don't need your wisdom, right? So, so I, in my small group, I have the most kids and I have the oldest kid. So I feel like when someone brings up parenting, there's some level in my brain where I'm like, ooh, I'm the expert here, right? Like, I'm an epic failure sometimes at parenting. But in my mind, like, I'm the expert, right? Like, I got the oldest, I got the most, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, in that moment, they don't need me to say, hey, I'm struggling as a parent. They don't need my wisdom. I'm like, oh, count to 10 before you yell at your kid. That's what I, like, they don't need that. Maybe at some level, there's some sort of, hey, let me impart wisdom and let me disciple you. But in the context of this verse, what, is, what does James say? Confess your sins, and what do they do? They pray. Right? It's so easy to think, like, hey, prayer's good, I should do that. But what they really need... It, my life, they really need that podcast to listen to. They really need this good book. They really need, no, what they need, according to the text, is prayer. And yet, so often, that's the thing that we go to last. It's like, well, they tried everything. I don't know what else works. Let's pray for them. Right? Context, what do we do? We pray. Second, I already touched on this. Uh, let's not be too judgy. Right? They're going to struggle with a sin that you don't struggle with, and it's going to be really easy to be like, I can't believe they struggle with that. And yet, someday, you're going to confess a sin that they would never imagine themselves committing. And it's like, oh, your struggle looks different than mine? Your temptation is different than mine? That's fine. I pray for you. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to know how to best help you in this context with some sort of, like, I'll pray for you. I don't get how any in the world would ever be tempted with fill in the blank, but, but that's cool. I got you. 
Like, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for you tomorrow morning. I'm going to pray for you tomorrow night. Like, I got you. I don't get it, but I'll pray for you. Right? It's going to be tempted. Uh, let's see if I can say this without. It's going to be tempting to say, hey, dude, you're okay. And it like, no, 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 let, let's not say that. Let me give you an example. Uh, if you've ever said, hey, I'm going to eat healthy. Like, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm not going to eat sugar. I'm, not, I'm only going to drink water. Like, whatever your parameters of eating healthy is. And this is Monday, right? So, so here's Monday. I'm going to eat healthy. And then, like, Monday night, right? Monday morning, I'm going to eat healthy. Monday night's prayer night. And, like, there's cookies sitting on the table. And you're like, 10 hours ago, I'm like, I'm not eating sugar. Now you're staring at a cookie. And, and Anna or Casey, whoever made them, it's like, oh, they're so delicious. Like, blah, blah, blah. Right? And, and what do we often do? I'm not saying this is true of Anna or Casey. What do we often do? We try to say something like, hey, I'm trying to eat healthy. And the person listening, what do they often say? You don't need to lose weight. You don't need to eat healthy. Like, no. Like, they just spent the last three years of life saying, I need to eat healthy. They finally decided Monday morning they're going to do it. And then you're like, ah, don't worry about it. Eat the cookie. Eat, eat two. Right? I'm not saying that's true of Anna or Casey. Just saying, like, in general, that's what we do, right? Like, you're good. You don't need to do this. Okay, I don't want us to have that sort of mentality when it comes to sin. Like the Holy Spirit's been working on this person and they finally have the courage to say in a small group, like, man, here's my struggle. And we're like, oh, dude, don't worry about it. We all struggle. Like, no, like, we want to take it seriously. Like the Holy Spirit's convicted to them and worked on them. And, and now they've had the, the courage to actually speak up. And it's like, okay, we're going to pray and we're going to be serious about it. And maybe it's something I'm struggling with and I'm not convicted. And it's like, ooh, like, let's press pause. Maybe I should be convicted. Like, I'm going to pray for you either way. But what, is this in my life? Like, what a, what a reality check that would be. I mean, the way that you said you, you, you handle things at work, like, that's what I do. Why am I not convicted? Should I be convicted? Like, God, God, show me. Like, what am I doing? Right? But we don't want to just be like, hey, you're good. You're fine. We all struggle. We all make mistakes. Like, no, it's the Holy Spirit's conviction. Let's not blow that off. Right? So, so again, what do we want to see? We want to see people that say, hey, here's my struggle. Uh, maybe it's enough to say, like, here's the struggle that I see coming. And, and I just want you to pray for me. But in the context of everything that's happening here, verse 16, like, we're going to pray, you're cheerful, you're going to sing, like, you're sick, we're going to pray. Then we get to verse 16, like, we're going to confess our sins and we're going to pray. Why? So that we might be healed. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know everybody in this room, obviously. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what the struggles you have. I don't know those things. But I wonder, just, not just in this room, but just American church, broadly speaking, I wonder how many people they're struggling how many people that wish they had healing? How many people go to church, have very little relationship with people, and wondering why it's not working? Like, why hasn't church done anything for me? Why is there doesn't seem any sort of healing? And there's other passages about the Word of God. There's other passages about the Spirit of God. There's other passages about other things that bring healing and, and restore our soul and, and all of those things. So I'm not saying those things are insignificant, but in light of this text and, and where we're at this morning, I wonder how many of those people that feel like church is distant, it's not working, it's not doing what I want it to do, don't have some sort of community where they can go and they can confess sins and get prayer. Right? I think, I mean, I'll speak honestly and openly about my small group. I know that I can go show up on whatever day of the week, meet, every day of the week we meet that week, which is always different for our group. Uh, but whatever day we show up, I, I know I can say this. Like, I know with, with, with no doubt in my brain that I can show up and be like, hey guys, here's my struggle. Hey guys, here's the sin that I that I, I just I keep falling back into. And it might be something small, it might be something big, but it's just been consistent in my life and I don't want it anymore. Like I know I have that. 
So if I don't use it, it's not the fact that I don't have it. It's the fact that I'm just not going to use it because I'm too proud, I'm too stubborn, I'm too whatever. Right? Here James says, what do you do? To this group of persecuted believers, you have sin in your life, and it's, it's overcoming you, it's struggling, the temptation, and all these things. What are we going to do with that is we're going to confess it. And what's interesting to me, this is not in the text, it's just my own observation, what's interesting to me is when it happens, it becomes so much more manageable. I don't know if I can say it that way. Like, it seems insurmountable. It seems like the sin that I will never get victory over in my own brain. And then I speak it to a group, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, God's got it. Like, I got three other guys who are going to pray for me. Like, like, what seemed like insurmountable, and I'll always be enslaved to whatever this is, now all of a sudden seems weak and has no power in my life. Why? Because I got people praying. Because I'm serious about it. I'm not just going to hang on to my sin anymore. Okay? All that to say, though, where, where are we going to land? We want to confess. We want to pray. But then just this reminder here in verse 16. Okay, so as we would end this idea, verse 16, the effective, this hardworking prayer of a righteous man can't accomplish much. Right? If we get good, I'm good. If we could think of a better word right now, I can't. Uh, if we could get good at confessing sin, where it's just a rhythm. Like sin in our life doesn't last longer than a week. Because I know, I know small groups coming. And whatever sin, whatever struggle might be in, like it's... I'm, I'm going to speak it, and it's going to be gone. It's going to be prayed for. And again, I'm not saying you have to do this every week. But there's this rhythm. Like, it's not going to be more than a week because I meet every week. Right? Like, if we could get that rhythm of confessing sin in our small group. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what's going on. Like, praise God for that. And yet, again, the context is what? The context seems to be more about the prayer. End of verse 16, that hardworking prayer. So as much as I want confession, I equally want us to be able to say in our small group that we're people of prayer. That, that you struggle and you admit it and you, and you ask for help, that we got you. We're not just going to pray once. We're not just going to pray twice. Next week we're going to ask you how you're doing. Next week we're going to keep praying for you. And we're going to say, hey, we want healing. We want growth. We want, we want these things in the life of the people in our church. And so we're going to commit ourselves to praying for them. So again, like this week, you might have zero people confess. That's fine. I'm not worried about it. Right? You don't, I don't want you to manufacture something. Like, oh, man, when I was four, uh, I said something bad to my mom. Like, no, we don't need to go down. Like, you got to struggle. You got to sin. You got something in your life right now. Okay, let's confess it. If you don't, that's fine. Praise God for that. But what I, I hope that we can do, starting here, discussion group to come, is, is just start to lay like, hey, this is, this is good. This is acceptable. We got this. We can do it. We can live out this verse. It might be really awkward the first time. Guess what? It'll be less awkward the second time. Like, like there's healing. God's given us his, his book, his words, so that we might know how to have it. He's told us how to have it. Now it's like, all right, are we going to commit to this, or are we just going to kind of like, man. Right? The goal is not comfort. The goal is not to feel good. The goal is not any of those things. The goal, according to this text, is that you would be healed. All right? So let's be people who would confess. Let's be people who would pray for those who confess to us. Uh, we'll pray now, and then we will observe the Lord's Supper this morning. Father, we thank you that you have given us your word so that we know how to live this life that's pleasing to you. This morning in, in this passage, uh, you know, you know our flesh, you know our hearts. Uh, confessing sin is not something that would come natural to us. It's not something that we can necessarily run to and, and just enjoy and want more and more of. And yet, God, you've, you've given us 
the roadmap to healing. And you said healing comes through confession and prayer. And so, God, I pray that we would be people who would confess our sins to one another. I pray that we would be people who would be committed to praying for others in our small group, in our church. God, this morning there's a couple things that we would wrestle with in the context, but verse 16 is pretty, pretty easy. And, and yet we know it's going to be at times difficult to do. So we ask for your grace. We ask for your, your courage. We ask for boldness to be able to, to, to say these things when we need to say them. We ask for those who would hear, those who would listen. God, help us to listen well. Help us to be people who would be committed to praying for them in that moment, in that week, in that season of life that they might be in. So grow us, grow us in our small group. Uh, grow us to be more like, more like Jesus. It's in, the, it's in his name we pray. Amen.